Hello, and welcome to Insurance Education Series with Bima Advisors. In this season, Isaac is joined by Solomon, a chartered insurance practitioner and an associate of the Chartered Insurance Institute, both UK and Ghana. He is currently the head of retail business at Vanguard Assurance Company Limited. In this season of our educational series, Isaac and Solomon will be looking at fire insurance and its related issues. Hello, Solo. This is season two of our insurance education series. Um, we chose to have this conversation on fire insurance and thank you for being our guests. Um, we trust that at the end of our conversation, we can simplify fire insurance to our audience. Thank you for making time to be with us. Um, thank you, Isaac, for the opportunity and then thank you for having me. Great. So um, I will zoom straight into... Um, asking you some few questions on fire insurance. And at the end of the day, the focus is still to simplify this whole thing about fire insurance to a lot of people. I know for the market space in Ghana, motor insurance is um, the major policy that a lot of people take. And it is because the, the motor insurance is required by law. But I know fire insurance is coming up. And so I ask... When we say fire insurance, what do we mean? Okay, simply to say that um, insurance is simply a promise to pay in an event of a loss. And fire insurance is another type of property insurance that is taken to cover loss or damage to assets or property if they are affected by fire or any other unfortunate incident that we call peril. You can also say that a fire insurance is any insurance that pays for the cost of damage to property resulting from fire and other named perils. So in simple terms or in lay terms, that is what fire insurance is about. Mm, okay. So are there different types of insurance policies under what we call fire insurance? Yes. I'll say there are different types of um insurance policies under fire insurance, we can simply say it's a family of fire insurance. Okay, okay. The first one would be um, an asset or risk insurance policy, mm. which is another type of fire insurance. Okay. And this insurance basically covers everything unless it is specifically excluded in the policy. So interestingly, for this policy the scope of cover or what it covers is actually at the exclusions. Mm. And so if it is not excluded, what it means is it's that covered. it is covered. Then the exclusions will be a lot. Yes. <laughs> so okay. once it is not excluded, it means it is covered. So okay. an asset or risk policy is one type or one family of fire insurance. And another family or type of fire insurance is homeowners comprehensive insurance. Okay. Other insurance companies may, may give it a different brand name. But oftentimes, you, you often hear home as part of the insurance policy. Okay. And this is a policy that is taken by private dwellers mm. or anybody who lives in, in a private residence. So and residential properties. Residential properties. And it has four levels of covers. It is a package policy. Okay. You can cover your building, mm -hmm. your contents, mm -hmm. personal accident for yourself in your household and any domestic servant with you. Okay. It has a public liability mm -hmm. 
cover for visitors or trespassers okay. who come to your premises, whether invited or not. Okay. Because it's your, it's your premises, you are responsible to make sure that anybody who comes there feels safe. All right. So that is what the public liability caters for. And it has another component, which is loss of rent. Oh, okay. If the property becomes inhabitable, as a result of an unfortunate incident you have covered, maybe there's a fire. And the nature of the fire makes it that the place cannot be inhabitable. Mm -hmm. The policy, the insurance policy will pay for the cost of alternative rent for your similar house that you are staying in for a period. period And oftentimes, there's a cap the insurance policy puts on it. Normally, they will not pay more than 10% of the value of the building as alternative rent. Mm. But it depends on the insurance policy. The percentage could be higher. Okay. And so that is for the home owners comprehensive. And this covers fire and other perils we have talked that we will talk about later. And it covers burglary too. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. And uh, we've mentioned two families of um, insurance policies. That's asset or risk, homeowners comprehensive. Mm -hmm. And then you come to the usual fire insurance that we know. Okay. But the actual name is fire and allied perils insurance policy. Okay. But to cut it short, oftentimes we refer to it as fire insurance policy. Okay. But the truth is that you can do a fire insurance policy only and you can do a fire and allied perils insurance policy. What's the difference between the two? A fire insurance policy is a policy that has only three perils that they cover. And that is if you insure your property and there's damage or loss to it resulting from fire, the second peril or event is if there's damage or loss resulting from lightning. And then the third peril that is covered is when there's loss or damage resulting from domestic explosion when you are using a gas or boiler. So you might, you might use a gas or a boiler if it's being used for a domestic purpose and there's an explosion that causes damage to your property that you have insured. The fire insurance would cater for that. Okay. If there's flood, it will not be covered under a pure fire insurance policy. Unless you take a fire and allied perils insurance policy where flood is an allied peril to the fire we've talked about. Okay, so let me restate this. For a fire-only policy, it covers fire, lightning, and domestic explosion. Yes. But then the fire and allied peril policy would cover fire, lightning, domestic explosion, and allied perils, which flood could be one of them. Yes. Okay. Okay. Other named perils. Other named Not perils. all perils. Not all perils. Yes, once it is named, once, is it, once, once it is named in the policy, it will be covered. Great. So now let's look at who needs to take up a fire insurance policy. Um, I would say anybody who has an interest or a financial interest in insurance will say that if you have an insurable interest, mm. you qualify to take an, a, a fire insurance policy. So okay. it is any person or institution or company that has an insurable interest. Okay. And to break it down, when we say you have an insurable interest, what it means is that you have a certain relationship with the property such that you have a financial interest in the property. Okay. And so if the property goes bad mm-hmm. or the property suffers a loss, you will suffer financially. And okay. if the property is good, or it is in a good state, you benefit. 
So okay. if you are in any relationship with a property like that, it is deemed that you have an insurable interest. And so you can insure. So any person or business or company that has an insurable interest or a financial interest in the property can take a fire insurance policy. So can I say that if I stand to gain for the, from the continued existence of the property, then I have an insurable interest in that property. And, and again, if I stand to lose, if that property is no more, then I have an insurable interest. Exactly. So does that mean that as a tenant of a property that I do not, as a tenant, do I have an insurable interest in the, the property I rent? The question is, um, it depends on the tenancy agreement. agreement. Okay, all right. If the okay. tenancy agreement puts a responsibility on you for damage to the building you are occupying, okay, then by virtue of the tenancy agreement, okay. you have a financial interest in the property. So you may insure. Okay. But okay. ordinarily, if you are strictly a tenant, you may not necessarily have a financial interest True. in the building. So you can insure only your content. Okay. And then the homeowner or the house owner will then have to take an insurance policy for their building. Great. On that note, let's, let's, let's zoom into this. What can be insured under a fire insurance policy? Uh, this is an interesting question. Um, what can be insured under a fire insurance policy is any asset that is tangible. And so any intangible asset cannot be insured under a fire insurance policy. Okay. And by a tangible asset, what we mean is an asset you can feel, see, and touch. Okay. And any asset or property that cannot move on its own transmission. So a motor um, vehicle cannot be insured under a strict fire insurance policy. It has its own separate motor insurance policy that can be taken. So mm -hmm. the assets that can be insured under a fire insurance policies are tangible assets and assets that cannot move on their own transmission. Okay. So so because an accessories policy is part of the fire family, you cannot insure a motor vehicle under an accessories policy. Exactly. Right? Because there's a, a special policy for that. That is the motor insurance policy. I suspect that will also be an exclusion under the accessories policy that you will not be able to insure motor vehicles. Definitely. It is an exclusion. Wow. Now, let's, let's, let's look at this. What does one need? Uh, we've looked at who can insure. We've looked yeah. at uh, what can be insured. Now, I know who can insure. I know what can be insured. At this point, what do I need to provide to the insurance company so that they can get me any of the policies you've spoken of? Yes, what you need is, depending on what property or asset you want to insure, let's take it, if it is a building, what you need to provide to the insurance company is the value of the building. And the value of the building can only be determined by a professional who evaluates. And so if it is a building, you need evaluation report on the property or the building. Okay. And that will inform you of the value that you need to insure the property at. If it, is, if it is stocks, you need your stock sheet or you need your stock list. That will give you the value of the stocks or your raw materials or your items you are using in trade. And then if it is any other home content or any other equipment, you might need the value at which you purchased those equipment. So if you have receipts, it helps to provide those informations. Okay. That aside, 
the insurance company also helps you to provide informations that they need to make a decision to cover you or not. And that is what we call a proposal form. So they'll give you a fire insurance proposal form. That is simply a questionnaire that elicits certain informations from you, the proposer, who wants to insure. And so it will include the location. It will include the nature of the property. If it is a building, it will like to know what was used in constructing the building. How has it been roofed? Okay. They would like to find out if you have, you have experienced any other loss incident on your property in some past few years. Mm-hmm. They would like to know whether you have been declined an insurance before or okay. your premiums have been increased. They would like to know a lot of things. And at the, at the tail end of the proposal form, there's a declaration to the effect that the information that you are providing are true to, your best, to the best of your knowledge. And, that, and then this proposal form that you are filling and signing will be the basis for the contract. So what if you provide an incorrect information on the proposal form? If you provide an incorrect information as part of the declaration, it goes on to say that any information that is provided that is not correct mm-hmm. will be used to your detriment. Wow. And so if you provide an information that is not correct... The policy will be done anyway, but even in the policy, there's a condition that if, it, if there's any material mis, misdescription or misrepresentation of facts, the policy will be declared as if it never existed. So, for example, if I said that my property is at cantonments, but apparently the property is at East Legon, that means that my policy would have issues, right? Yes, and I can promise you that when there's a loss, the insurance company may not pay because per the contract, you told us that you have a property at Cantonment Mm -hmm. and that is what the insurance company agreed to cover. Okay. You did not tell the insurance company you had a property at East Legon. Probably if you told them you had a property at East Legon, they might have declined cover. Okay. And so, once you tell us the properties at Cantonment, we believe that what you are signing, it's true to the best of your knowledge. Okay. So, if it turns out that the property, which cannot move on its own transmission, mm-hmm. miraculously finds itself in East Legon, mm-hmm. per the contract that we have, mm-hmm. we did not agree to cover any property at East Legon. We agreed to cover a property at Cantonment. So, by virtue of that, it will be difficult for you to be compensated. Let me have a second version of this. So let's say I bought a property, let's say at East Legon, and then I sold that property maybe three months into the policy and bought another property at Cantonment. So I told you initially it was East Legon. I didn't inform you when I changed it, but the property I bought at Cantonment now is of the same value as the one at East Legon. Would I still have a problem? Yes, I would say that you still have a problem because in the fire insurance policy documents that are normally given to clients, we, there's a condition that entries the clients to inform, of, inform the insurance company if there's any material change in the risk. Okay. And so if you have moved from East Legon to Cantonment and the property we are talking about has even changed, it is, it is incumbent on you, the insured, to inform 
your insurance company so that they pass an endorsement or okay. they make some changes to your policy to reflect mm. your new property you have acquired. If you fail to do that, it is already a condition in the policy and the insurance company may not pay. If they decide to pay, it is out of grace or it's an esgracia. Okay. But per the contract we have, if they don't pay, they have not gone wrong. Right. Now, let's look at, um, after identifying what we can insure, let's look at the values to put on the property we want to insure. What is the requirement or what is, what, is, what is the right thing to do? This is a very interesting and a very controversial issue, especially when it comes to values that need to be used for fire insurance. Okay. But what, do I, what I would advise is that if you are insuring a property for fire insurance, mm -hmm. ask yourself what will be the value or the amount needed to replace this property? Okay. Should it be lost okay. or damaged? And so if it is a building, you would have to get help to value the property so okay. that you know the cost of rebuilding or putting back the house. Should there be a collapse or should there be a serious fire that will need the building to be reinstated? If it is any other property, you need to find out the cost of replacement okay. so that you use that as the value for the insurance. If there are stocks, if you're a wholesaler, you should use the wholesale price mm. because the purpose of insurance is to put you back to your financial position just before the loss. So don't add your profits. Yes, so you don't add your profit. So you ask yourself, the time the goods were in my warehouse that, has, that hasn't been bought, how much will it cost? And these are the values that you would have to use for the insurance. If you're a retailer, you use the retail price without your margin okay. for the insurance. Okay. And so the value that should inform you for the insurance should be the value that will be adequate to bring back the property to its state when it is lost or damaged. Okay, I see. So, now let's say that you've been able to identify the values, the correct values to insure. What happens if I insure above the correct value? Thank you. This, let's say the required value. This is also another very interesting angle. If you insure above the required value. Well, insurance would let you pay a premium, all right. But let's note that the purpose of insurance is not to profit. Okay. The purpose of insurance is to put you back to your financial position just before the loss. So that is what we term as indemnity. Okay. We are indemnifying you. And so when there's a loss, the question we have to ask ourselves is what will be the amount needed to put you back to the financial position before the loss. Mm. So if it is a building, what was the value of the building prior to it getting bent? If the value was 700000 but you insured it for $1 million, what insurance will do is that they will pay you 700000 because that is the value needed to put the property back to its state prior to the loss. And so if you insure more than the value that should be insured, 
when there's any loss, insurance company will pay you the value that is needed to restore or reinstate your property. I see. Okay, so irrespective, if, if you insure beyond the required value, insurance will still pay you the required value. Yes. What happens if you insure below the required value? This is also very interesting because if you insure below the required value, interestingly, there's some element of punishment in there. <laughs> that is why I said it's very interesting. The if first you, one... If you insure above, we don't have a problem. If it is below, you'll be punished. But why doesn't the, 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 the insurer, the policyholder, rather punish the insurance company? I mean... <laughs> uh, because the purpose of insurance is to put you back to the position you okay. were before the loss. If you insure more than, we'll be glad. We'll need money. <laughs> but where it happens that you insure below the value that should be insured, in the policy document, there's a condition that we, is referred to as the average clause condition. Okay. And this condition says that if you insure at the time of the loss, if the value of the property is higher than the value you insured it for, or which we term as the sum insured, okay. the insured or the owner of the property would be the, the insurer for their own difference. Mm. And then they will bear a rateable proportion of the loss. And so let me give a typical example. The value of your property was 100000 but you insured it for 50000 Okay. And you suffered a loss of 10,000 CDs. Okay. Ordinarily, the loss of 10,000 is not up to 50,000. Yes. So the expectation is that the insurance company should pay for the 10, full 10,000, assuming there's no excess on the policy. Mm -hmm. But what this condition is saying is that at the time of the loss, the insurance company would then value the property. Mm hmm. And if they get to know that the value was 100000 and it was insured for 50000 mm -hmm. then the average clause will apply. So it will be the sum insured over the value that should have been insured times the loss amount. So, so in this it case, will be 50000 over the 100000 you should have insured times the loss, which is 10000 So you pay 5000 So the insurance company will pay 5000 So that is why I said if you insure below the right value, you'll be punished. I think this is food for thought for a lot of people who have a fire insurance policy and yeah. decide to choose their sum insured haphazardly. Let's, let's look at what are some of the important provisions of a fire insurance policy that every policyholder should know? Yes. Um, when it comes to insurance policies, a lot of us don't like reading them because we, we feel they are voluminous. But okay. there are some provisions or conditions that every insurance policy, fire insurance policy owner needs to know. Okay. The first aspect is uh, the condition of material misdescription. Material misdescription. misdescription. If you okay. misdescribe your property. Okay. Your property is a commercial property. Okay. And then you describe it to the insurance company as a private property. Mm. That is material misdescription. Okay. If there's any loss, mm -hmm. insurance company would not pay. Okay. And then if there's any misrepresentation of any material fact, material fact is any information that will help the insurance company to make a decision 
as to whether to cover you or not and what premium to charge and what terms and conditions to put on the policy. Mm-hmm. So any information that would help the insurance company to make that position is called a material fact. Okay. So if you misrepresent a material fact, an example is that you tell us that your property is a private residence. Okay. And you failed to let us know that you keep petrol containers filled with petroleum products in your garage. Okay. If you fail to do that, you are misrepresenting a material fact because you are not disclosing it to us because this is um, um, a hazardous material that can increase the risk of of the loss. And it's material for you because it would change your decision to cover cover you or not. not. Okay. And probably if you want to cover you, at what premium we should charge? What terms and conditions we should put on the policy? Mm, okay. And so this is one provision or condition okay. you need to bear in mind when you are taking a fire policy. The other aspect is if you have any other insurance on the property, you need to declare it to the insurance company. So, so you assuming can't, you can't insure with insurer A and then come to me, insurer B, to insure without telling me. Yes. If you don't tell us and we find out at the time of the loss, it is a condition. Okay. We can decide not to pay. But okay. if you tell us, it is good for us because the purpose of insurance is to indemnify you. That is put you back to your financial position before the loss. So if you have insured with insurer A and I'm insurer B, you are coming to me and you tell me that it sometimes happens. You might, you might have done a, 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 a fire insurance policy for your home. Okay. And you want to take a, um, um, a, fa- um, um, a facility at a different bank and they insisted that mm-hmm. you do or they will do a fire insurance policy for you with insurer B. Okay. If they still insist, you need to disclose to insurer B that you have a fire policy with insurer A okay. so that when there's a loss, both insurance companies will come together and make good the loss. So that is why that provision is there. Okay. And then there's another provision where you need to give notice of loss to your insurance company within a specified period. Mm, okay. So if you don't notify your insurance company of a loss within a specified period and you breach that, that can be a basis for not attending to your claim by the insurance company. And there's also another provision that when there's a loss to your property, the insurance company, they have a right to take possession of your property, okay. they have the right to to um, examine it. They have the right to rearrange it. They have a right to sort it, and then they can sell such properties or direct such properties to be disposed of. Okay, these are the rights of the insurance company when it comes to a property you have insured which has suffered a loss. Mm. And another condition that you also need to know is that um, the insurance company has the option when it comes to settling you. And the options are four. Okay. That is within the prerogative of the insurance company. When there's a it's loss... It's at their option. It is at their option. The Not in, at the option of the insured. The insured doesn't detect to the insurance company how the claim should be settled. It is clearly stated in the policy document that it is at the option of the insurance company or the insurer. 
So the insurer can elect or decide to repair the property if it is repairable. Okay. They can decide to replace if they need to replace. Mm -hmm. They can decide to reinstate if they want to reinstate. And the fourth option is they can make a decision to pay in cash if they want to. So all these four options are at the discretion of the insurance company. But the objective is to still put you in the position you, you were, were just before, before the loss. loss. Yes. Interesting. And okay. the other condition you need to know is that either party can cancel the policy by giving adequate notice. Okay. So the insured or the owner of the policy can write to the insurance company that they want to cancel the policy. They don't want to be on cover again. And the insurance company will then calculate a, a customary short period rate okay. and refund your premium to you. Alternatively, the insurance company can also write to okay. you to ensure that we are not interested in continuing to cover you again. So they will, they will cancel the policy and refund a pro rata portion of your premium to you. Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing, provision you need to note is that if you make any claim and it is tainted with fraud, the insurance company would not pay. Mm. So when you are making a claim and you inflate the cost of items unnecessarily and they find out that the, the purpose of doing that is to defraud the insurance company, they can base on that not to pay the claim at all. Wow. You have a genuine claim, but if you are making the claim and it is tainted with fraud, then you, 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 you lose or forfeit every benefit under the policy. And there's one last condition. Sure. That when you have an insurance and there's a loss, you should act as if you are not insured. You should take reasonable steps to prevent further loss. Okay. And so assuming your property has been gutted by fire, the gate was damaged, you have some goods in there that are not destroyed yet. You don't say that because you have a fire insurance policy, probably that covers theft. You've left your property unattended to okay. for other people to come and loot. You would need to immediately secure the place. And so it puts a responsibility on the owner or the insured to take reasonable steps to prevent further loss should a loss happen and act as if they are not insured. So you must behave as if you do not have an insurance, an insurance. Policy, although you have an insurance policy. Yes. And these are important provisions in the insurance policy. Yes. Everything written in the insurance policy. It's written and it's in print. Clearly imprinted in the policy document. Wow. Okay. That's very interesting. So let's move on to this. What documents do I need to make a claim under a fire insurance policy? Beads, uh, damage caused by fire, flood, thefts. Can you run us through what documents is quite often needed? Okay, the documents you need will vary depending on the nature of the loss. Okay. If it is a fire loss, your documents needed would vary from if it is a flood that has caused the loss. Okay. If it is an impact by a car that has run into your property and caused the loss, the documents you need might be different. Mm. Equally, if it is a theft or burglary incident or housebreaking, the documents you might need might vary a little bit. But what runs through all the documents you need 
in making a claim is a failed claim form. Okay. Irrespective of what peril causes the loss, you need to fill a claim form. Okay. If it is a fire that caused the loss, you will need a fire report. Okay. After getting the fire report, you need pictures of the damage. Okay. After getting your pictures, you need bill of quantities. That is, if it is a building that has to be reconstructed or repaired or reinstated. Okay. And if it is a building, you might need to prove that you are the owner of the building. So you would need a land title or mm-hmm. a lease document or any document that gives you, shows that you are the owner of that property. Okay. So that is when it is a fire damage to your building. If it is fire damage to your content or equipment, you would need a fire report, as I've said. Okay. You would need pictures to support your claim. Although the insurance company will come there to inspect themselves and take pictures. But you also need to prove by pictures of the damage. Mm-hmm. And for equipment and other home content, you need replacement invoice okay. of the same items. Okay. So if it is a 50-inch HD curve TV, you don't go and bring a replacement invoice of a 75-inch. Okay. You need to bring the same brand okay. invoice. Yes. So if it's for contents, that is what you need. Okay. Assuming it is a flood, okay. you report to your insurance company as early as possible. Take pictures that shows that the place has been flooded. And if they come for inspection, there will be some marks on the walls. On the wall that shows there has been collection of water. Okay. And if any item that has been damaged by the flood should be kept for inspection by the insurance company. And then you submit replacement invoices for those items if it is a flood. Mm. Assuming it is an impact. Impact is when a motor vehicle may have missed its way and run into your property. Okay. You report to the police. You need a police report. After that, you need pictures. And then if it is the building that is damaged, you need bill of quantities or estimates to repair it or probably replace it depending on the nature of the incident. If it's content, you probably need replacement invoice. If it is theft, obviously you have to report to the police. police. Getting pictures will be difficult because the item itself has been stolen. But you can can probably have have pictures of the breaking. The breaking. So you have to take pictures of the breaking the doors that had been tempered with or the, the blinds or the windows that have been shattered or glasses that have been broken. Okay. Take pictures to show that it was really a forcible entry or a violent exit. Okay. And then you can add other replacement invoices to support your claim. Wow. That was quite comprehensive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are, are we done with that or we have more over there? No, we are done with them. And the last thing is for those in business. Okay. If you have your, your shop items or okay. your, your stocks, what you need, if it's fire, you need a fire report. If it is theft, you need a police report. In addition, you need to submit your stock sheet or your stock list. You'd also need to submit your bank statement. Okay. Because they will, we will need to verify some things to mm-hmm. confirm okay. what probably might have happened it's possible that you had you had sold the stock. Yes, and bank robbers came in though. Yes, but you had already sold the stock, so it was yes. just a coincidence of 
the, the of events. Event. So we just have to verify that indeed it wasn't like you had sold the stock. Very sure. That. So if there are stocks, then we need evidence that these were the stocks you had at this time and these were the stocks you had prior to the incident so that we can confirm the value of the stocks that have been damaged. Interesting. So what I get from this is that going through the claims process, you need documents to prove your loss. What's yes. online? You need documents to prove your loss. Without documents, it will be difficult. So it's just like going to apply for a passport. You need documents to prove that you are a citizen. Yeah, a citizen. And so you should be given a passport. Yes. If you are going to claim for anything, you need documents to prove to that prove. You, are paying the, you are paying the money to the right, right person. person. And this is the amount of laws that you have actually suffered. So documentation is key. Exactly. Without it, it will be difficult to make a claim. Let's wrap up by this. Can you run us through the claims process? Yes. Um, this is another process that is very interesting that a lot of people accuse the insurance companies of not telling them when they signed on to the policy. Mm-hmm. So in, in making a claim, okay. what you need to understand is when there's a loss, if you are in doubt, please call your insurance company. If you do not understand... If you don't understand what you need to do at, the, at that time, call your insurance company for directions. Okay. They will tell you what you need to do, what you don't need to do, and things that you have to do to make sure the claim will be valid. Mm. And depending on the peril that happens or the event that happens, mm-hmm. you might have to take a different course of action. Okay. If it is a fire claim or fire that has happened, mm-hmm. you would have to report it to the fire service. Okay. They'll visit the scene because they would, you would need a fire report. Okay. So they will need to ascertain what caused the fire probably do some assessment and include that in their report. That will make it easier for the insurance company to ascertain that truly this was the event or peril that caused the loss. Okay. We've already said that get in touch with your insurance company as early as possible, reasonably early as possible so that they guide you through the process. If it is a theft incident, you quickly have to report the incident to the police. Any other incident, like if there's a collapse of the property, it is evident in itself. So quickly inform the insurance company. They will get in touch and come and inspect it for themselves. Okay. So apart from fire and any crime or theft case where you have to report to the police, any other incident like flood, um, um, bursting of pipes or aircraft damage or even earthquake, Mm-hmm. Those things speak for themselves. They are evident. Okay. So you quickly inform the insurance company for directions. They would send their, their claim team to come on site and inspect the damage before you take any course of action. But I would always advise that in the claim process, never dispose of any damaged items until mm. you have express approval from the insurance company because those items are the properties of the insurance insurance companies. They are going to pay you. So they are not your properties. So don't be too quick to dispose of those items. I guess you run into challenges if you dispose of those items and then you still want to make a claim. Yes, it will be difficult for us to know what item was damaged. You may have a picture, but we need to see the evidence of the damaged item. So let's not be too quick to dispose of damaged items which are 
subject matter of insurances. Once they have been covered under a fire insurance policy, allow the insurance company to go through the whole process. And when they give you the express approval to dispose it off, you can then do that. Okay. If they want to take possession of it, remember it is a condition in the policy. They have the right to take possession of it, arrange it, vary it, or sell it. So it is their property. So leave it for them to handle. Okay. And then you also need to fill a claim form. form. Mm-hmm. And the claim form is also a questionnaire that solicits information about the, the loss. loss incident. Beautiful. Great. So, I said that was my last question, but I have a last question. Let's say I have a home insurance policy or homeowner's policy or a, yes, any of these policies. So, let's say I take up a home insurance policy and I've insured just the building. Can I make a claim for the contents? Um, Unfortunately, no. Because with insurance, any insurance policy you do, there's a one-page or two-page document called a schedule, an insurance schedule they add or attach to the policy print or policy document. Okay. So it forms part of the document. And on that one-page schedule or two-page schedule, it lists the items or property that is covered. And so if the insurance company agrees that I'll cover your building situated at number one airport lane, and it is not stated that your contents are part. If there's any loss to your content, it will not be covered. And so when you are taking up a fire insurance policy, be very specific and sure of what you want to cover. Okay. So you can cover the building. You can cover your content. I see. You cannot claim for what you have not insured. Yes. What you have not insured cannot be claimed for. So if you've not insured your your furniture, you cannot you put cannot in a claim. Although you have a homeowner's policy. Yes, or probably you have even insured your contents where it is a TV and your washroom, uh, your, your, your washing machine. If you've not insured your furniture, you cannot claim because it's formed part of your content, but what you insured was your TV and your washing machine. And so you must be very deliberate in doing so. Yes. So, Lord, thank you so much for making time to be with us and I think I've learned a lot from, from our conversation. Thank you. But... Before we go, final words for our audience. Yes. Um, what I would want to tell our audience is insurance is good and it gives you the peace of mind. The properties that we acquire, the assets that we get, these are properties we have acquired them through our sweat. And these equipment or assets we have, they help us in doing business and getting us running. And so we should ask ourselves, should the unfortunate happens, what do we do? Mm-hmm. So then it calls in mind the need to get a cover okay. or a protection. And by getting that protection is by signing on to a fire insurance policy. And amazingly, when you compare fire insurance premiums to other insurance premiums like Moto and other ones, it is relatively cheaper. But a lot of people don't do it because I guess there's a misconception about this whole insurance. When you're claiming you need a lawyer and all that. The fire insurance policy, it's simple as has been explained in the conversation. The premium is not that much. It is very affordable. So we encourage everybody to insure 
your content you have. If you have a building, you need to insure it. If you have stocks you are using in trade, you need to insure it. Any property you have that qualifies for fire insurance, it is good to insure it. Yes. So, so if, if any of our audience wants to find more about fire insurance, um, you're an insurance practitioner. How do they reach to you? Um, I can be reached on my WhatsApp Okay. Or Telegram on this uh, line zero two zero. Okay. Nine zero. Okay. Eight five five nine zero. Zero two zero nine zero eight five five nine zero. Zero two zero nine zero eight five five nine zero. You can reach me on my WhatsApp or Telegram. Okay. And then uh, on my Facebook handle, um, Kabna Bedu. Kabna Bedu. Yes. Okay. And right. um, with my email, it is sbeduGH at gmail dot com. S-B-A-D-U-G-H at gmail.com Solo, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, Mike. I'm grateful. Thank you for taking time to listen. We are Bima Advisors, insurance professionals with a passion to train and educate on insurance-related issues. If you have any doubts or questions concerning anything insurance, do not hesitate to send us a message via email on info at bimaadvisors.com. 